Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, Matt, your host. With me this week is Joe Perez, a co-host. Unfortunately, Liz Harper, the EIC of the site and our third chair, can't make it because she is currently driving through the West, um, possibly having adventures, uh, hopefully not adventures uh, in the weird West because, well, then again, is there any non-weird West? I don't know. I haven't learned uh, that yet, so probably not. But at any rate, you know, that she's out doing that. Uh, if you're listening, Liz, hi. Uh, hopefully you're having a good time with, with your with your road trip, and um, yeah, there's there's a fair amount of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, I'm positive that tomorrow all sorts of new stuff will be revealed, and we'll be like, why'd they do it on Wednesday? But for right now, um, some stuff that's coming up in the future we'll mention. Uh, Overwatch PvP beta is, I think, today, yes. uh, the 26th. Um, At the time of this recording, yes. Yeah, there's a sign up. We're going to talk more about it. There's a sign up for Overwatch 2 beta as well. But uh, on the 28th, uh, Diablo 2 um, Resurrected is going to have its first uh, ladder season. That's two days from now. Um, uh, Wow's Wow's Children Week is in like a a week. That's, you know, but the Overwatch League Season 5 is starting next month on the 5th. And then on on June 2nd, Diablo Immortal is coming out for mobile devices you will be able to play the game on it is releasing on that day and a pc beta of diablo immortal is also launching uh which is another thing we're going to talk about in fact i think we're going to move straight into talking about that we might as well i think yeah um i was doing some research on our site's coverage of the original diablo immortal announcement back in 2018 um and on that article in the opening ceremonies part of the article of one of the articles we wrote Alex Zebart, who no longer works here, but is, you know, forever with us as our, as our chief emeritus, he mentioned that he thought it was going to come out on PC at some point. And that was the day it really, the day it was announced four years ago, he put it in. Yeah, this will come out on PC. And now he is right because they have announced that as soon as it drops on mobile, they're going to have a beta test for the PC for Diablo Immortal. An open Joe, beta. Yeah. An open beta. Joe. You've talked before about how you weren't happy that they were putting it out for mobile at the time. What do you think about this change? I think it makes sense. And this is something I talked about when Diablo Immortal was first announced. Um, 
way back when it makes sense to have a mobile game. Sure. But with the way that computers are set up now, there is zero reason not to make a port for PC, especially when you're doing development already with Android uh, and iOS in mind. Those games have been ported over very successfully to the PC and cross play uh, like over the years, like crazy, crazy good. Um, the one that comes to mind is a really good example of this is a very popular game that some people love. Some people uh, have some issues with the monetization, which again, it's a free to play game, which, okay. Uh, but Genshin impact is a really good example of this. This was a mobile game. This was a game that was free to play on mobile devices. And now it's on PC. It's on PS five. It's on the new Xbox. It's on switch. Uh, it's everywhere. It is literally everywhere. And that's the other really interesting thing about it. Diablo immortal being made for those mobile systems, getting ported to PC, we're probably going to see them start to look at porting it to other devices as well. Because again, well, I joked about when, when we were talking about what are they going to announce for Diablo immortal tomorrow? I joked that there is going to, we're going to really, they were going to announce a, a switch port or maybe a play date port. Yeah. I've used the crank. <laughs> and then the next day PC, you know? And so it does feel like, you know, this is the first step and they're going to take it to consoles next because Diablo has been a franchise that has been going onto consoles for the last three consoles. And not only, well, even before that, I mean, the original Diablo existed on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, uh, but I was thinking the, the Xbox and PlayStation 3, then the uh, Xbox and PlayStation 4, and now the Xbox and PlayStation 5. So, but yeah, absolutely, you're totally right. So it's a good move on their part. It's something that I think if they would have uh, if they would have made this as a decision at the original announcement, I think some of that backlash would have gone away immediately. But also, I understand what they were trying to do with the mobile market. A lot of people I know play mobile games. Like, I could turn around and my wife will be playing some Disney game on her her phone. Uh, it's a normal thing that people do. It's not what I like to do, which now means I was already planning on maybe caving and putting it on my phone, which I don't like to do. I don't like playing games on my phone. But now if it's coming to PC, I'll try it on PC. I will absolutely. I was actually looking at running an Android emulator on my PC to play Diablo Immortal because I did not want to put it on my phone. (laughs) And they've actually stated that people talking about that is one of the reasons they've decided to just go ahead and port it. Yeah. Because if people are just kind of running it on an emulator, why not spend the time to make it actually look good and make it run natively as a PC game? And I agree with that idea. Um, I was thinking about putting it on my tablet. I will not play games on my phone. The screen's not big enough for me. But my iPad's big enough. I was thinking of playing it on my iPad. Now that it's going to actually be able to be played on a PC with an actual controller, yeah, I'm interested. Um, I'm very interested. It's just, it's a smart move. It's just a smart yeah. move. It, 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 it makes it more viable to more players, especially now that we know, like, there's going to be story elements. There's going to be things that we're going to be looking forward to in here that, you know, players like us want to see, or players like you and I are kind of all about, like, we want to know that story. We want to know the interim stuff. So yeah. And plus there's like, there's other games out that are very similar to what this is going to be. There are other like MMO ARPGs. Uh, I think I want to say lost Ark is an example of one. Yeah. Lost Ark is another great example of it. It's a mo- it, what started as a mobile thing is I believe as well. And it's, it made a huge impact on PC. Yeah. And um, it, it just makes sense to have, to, to make sure you've got the Diablo audience that, that you already have 
interested in this game. I mean, there's no reason to make a game that's not for the main, you know what I'm saying? Like the Diablo audience is out there. You might as well get them too. Yeah. I mean, uh, and so. they're, you're getting people that normally wouldn't have done it this way too. Um, and again, I want to make sure that I'm perfectly clear. I have nothing against mobile gaming on phones. Oh, yeah. It's just not something I personally engage in. So this I, gives me an opportunity to engage. For me, Captain Blindy, it's literally just the screen's not big enough. That's that's all it is. I, my phones are not, I've not got a phone that's big enough, but I have mobile games on my iPad. I've been playing uh, um, Bejeweled. There it is. There's a word. Um, I've, I've been playing Bejeweled on my iPad all week since two weeks now. Um, and I love it. I like having like that game on my iPad so I can play it when I can't play something else. Uh, but I don't, I don't like using phones. Just and, too small. And speaking of mobile games, finding the way to PC, there was a literally a dungeon crawling game that just released. And I can't remember the name of it, but its entire interface for doing combat or anything is Peggle. Hmm. And it is absolutely fascinating. Peggle, the game that started as a mobile game and like has, been around forever is now being used as a primary interface for a PC game. So like mo- they have their place. They, they definitely do. Uh, so I just thought that was an interesting thing to throw in there. Now Diablo Immortal can join the ranks of Peggle. Uh, but while we're talking about Diablo, um, another thing they announced the, 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 the thing, the reason we have some news this week is because uh, Activision Blizzard had their earnings call uh, this month. They actually this week. And uh, one of the things they announced was that Diablo four is in full uh, entire company internal testing. Like it's it's everybody now. It's not just the Diablo team in house. It's everybody at Blizzard is, has got access and is testing, which is a step along the road to the friends and family that usually comes next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we were estimating. I wrote the post originally saying this game's probably not coming out till 2024. At this point, don't get too excited. But if they're already in in, in internal testing, that means friends and family is probably within a couple months, if not and sooner. Yeah, if not sooner. And then if Friends and Family has been a couple months, then after Friends and Family is the closed beta. Mm-hmm. And after the closed beta is the open beta. And after the open beta is release. So they could theoretically release this game in either 2022 or more likely 2023. My thought is that if they release it in 2022, it's going to be on December 31st. Because that's when the original Diablo launched on December 31st. That would be a hell of a deep cut, and I'm here for it. Yeah. If it doesn't launch in 2022, then the next most likely candidate is in June of 2023, because Diablo 2 launched in June. Mm -hmm. If it's not that, then it will be December 31st, 2023. And that is the one I think is the most likely target for them to hit. But... I was originally thinking 2024 because like, I'll just say it. They lost their lead designer and their you know, project director. Both are gone. Um, they had to replace them. Usually that means a game gets stripped down again, goes back to the drawing board a bit because the new people coming in have new ideas, but apparently that didn't happen. Or if it did happen, it happened really effectively. Like they did it efficiently and, and got it out of the way quickly because to have the entire, the, the game across the company and in internal testing means they have not a final build, but a build that contains everything they want to test. And that means that the game is probably in some form of completion. Not like when I say completion, I don't mean it's done. Playable, I'm not saying, polished. Yeah. But more importantly, the narrative is likely there. It may not be like, there may be a place where it's like, this will be replaced with us. You know, cut scene goes here 
or this quest not here yet, but the game is in a state where they can benefit from having people who don't work on the team test it. And that's a big step forward. What do you think about this? How is it like, are you surprised that they managed to get it here? Yes and no. So this partially confirms a weird random thought I had a long time ago. I think I mentioned it on the podcast, but like, I think nobody paid attention to it and I don't blame them because it was a horrible, horrible tech nerd thing. This makes me feel like they moved to an agile production pipeline, um, which means that when you start working on stuff, you have like runway points. And so you can actually allocate resources in a consistent manner for projects to keep something on point. What that also means is if they would have had to go back and rechange anything or if they wanted to change anything, that they would essentially allocate the points specifically to do that parallel to everything else they were working on to keep production moving along. So I'm actually kind of excited to see that. Um, and I think that's really good. It means that they've recovered, especially for Diablo 4, which we now know is a game that has been stripped down and reworked and uh, started over multiple times, even before the recent hardships. So like the like every Diablo game that's ever come out, like every Diablo game that's ever come out. Um, so it's I'm excited. It's a little bit earlier than I anticipated. And I'm really keen to see how quickly it moves through this, because like you pointed out, if they've released it to everybody internally and people internally are playing it, which means they can give their feedback, they are pretty close to friends and family. If not, they might already be in friends and family and just not mentioning it um, because there is a v- extremely tight NDA on those um, as somebody who we were. I know I have. I think you have were invited at some point to friends and family for past games. You cannot mm-hmm. talk about it at all. Period. Right, shut up. Yeah. Right. And Unless so they might they already tell be you there. It's okay to stream it. Which yeah. Sometimes they will do. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, you don't talk about this. So they might already be at that point and they might already be moving forward. And we're going to, I think we're going to see that beta happen relatively quickly because that's where they're going to get a lot more valuable information for like a wider player base uh, of people that aren't technically in the know or aren't invested internally. Cause there's always, there's this thing I talk about sometimes where there's internal QA and there's an internal testing of people that understand what the processes are or, you know, somebody who works on world of Warcraft as like a systems designer has an idea of like building code and building a game. And so when they play a game, they look at it differently than me or Matt who don't have a background in that sort of development would play a game and look at it from a player's perspective with, you know, this is what we don't like. It has nothing to do with understanding where they were going. Right. So it's a whole different perspective. I think we're going to see not to say that these people are not players too. No, no, but, but they are, their insight is different. Yeah. To use an old example, they know how the sausage is made. Yeah. And so it's never the same for them. It just, it's not, you know, that's just a thing that happens. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I was getting at. So thank you. But yeah, I'm excited. Cool. All right. Um, next thing we're going to talk about then is this is one that I know I'm excited about. I knew Liz was extremely excited about, so I'm very sorry she's not here. Sorry, Liz. Um, we're going to be able to transmog to a gray or white item with, with what's now called vendor trash. Mm-hmm. You will be able to keep those things and use them in your transmog. You can put your your legendary pauldrons. You could transmog with this with the appearance of like the twill set uh, if you had if they were cloth. I think that's really cool. 
Um, I don't know how often I will actually use it aside from some weapons, but I think it's really neat because it, it frees people up more. I'm always for removing transmog restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a time in the past where I wasn't, but I fully come around and I'm absolutely on board with anything that removes transmog res- restrictions in this way. So I am super excited. Um, do you have a particular look you're going to probably put on here? Uh, top hat, Morgan top hat, because it is a white item. That's true. It is. I forgot about that. <laughs> There's a bunch of the Defias mask comes to mind for me. For any leather wearers, you know, I actually think the Defias mask might be cloth, but it's it's a white item. So you can't use it in transmog, except now you will be able to. So that's, you know, finally face bandana. Um, I believe there was a similar looking item that dropped in in Burning Crusade off of mobs in the Draenei starting area that was actually green that people used to farm for like crazy because it was transmogable. And now you'll be able to use the Defias uh, mask. So that's that's great, in my opinion. That's the one I'm thinking I'm going to go for. It is always good whenever they are removing restrictions. The less restrictions there are, the better it is. So, I mean, I, I'm i always for this, 100%. Yeah, and the last thing we're going to talk about before we move on to questions and stuff is uh, the Overwatch 2 beta has signups that are starting tomorrow. So like, if you want to be in the Overwatch 2 beta, Blizzard's got signups right now. Like, not as you're listening to this, unless you're listening to it live. If you're listening to it live tomorrow, if you're listening to it recorded, either they already started happening, because this usually comes out a few days after. So, yeah, you may have already missed it, but if you're listening live, go, go, go sign up. If you're interested, um, I get motion sick when I play Overwatch, so I'll probably sign up, see if I get in, see if I can play the game now without getting motion sick, and if I can't, well, unfortunately, I can't. But that's still, in my opinion, pretty cool that the signups are going. Overwatch 2 is making a lot of strides out of nowhere. Yeah, it does feel like it kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like, we didn't hear anything about it for a very long time, and suddenly the PvP-PvE split. We're going live with uh, Overwatch. Uh, the, the Overwatch League season is going to have the new edition, and now we're going to start testing it today. It's like testing right now. Overwatch PvP is testing right now. Um, and then the beta sign-up for Overwatch 2 is like, okay. Uh, you guys have been working this whole time, apparently. It's, it's good to know, finally. Um, I'm interested just because it feels like Overwatch is in a place where it ha- it's going to either evolve and change into something new and really cool, or it's kind of in trouble. I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you feel different. I was excited for Overwatch 2, not for PvP stuff. What I really want is I want the single-player uh, or multiplayer campaign mode where it's the story, it's co-op. Uh, that's m- I don't know if that's still happening. I don't know if they... They haven't really even talked about that If I recently, have they? They talked about splitting it, and then they said it would be later. I don't recall what they said it was going to be. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. As far as the regular side goes, not it's going to it's going to be good for people who play it pretty religiously or regularly. Uh, people who enjoy it, it sounds like it's going to be a good fun time, especially with the way they're changing the meta up. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna wait. I'm waiting for the story mode. It's interesting because um, one of the bigger competitors for Overwatch is Apexus Legends. Uh, Apex. Apex Legends? Apex Legends. Apexus Legends, jeez. Yes, Crystals and Apexus Birds. Apexus Crystal Legends. Yeah. <laughs> but Apex Legends is one of WoW's biggest competitors, it, and it has stuff that, that Overwatch 2 is going to be copying. And Valorant um, like, as well. Like, yeah. Eh, Valorant. I just, I'm sorry. Valorant is, but it just, 
Apex Legends. The reason I'm bringing Apex Legends up, though, is because Apex Legends is by Respawn. Yep. The same folks who made Titanfall and Titanfall 2. Titanfall was very much like Overwatch in that they just came out and it was basically just just multiplayer. It was just multiplayer fighting in big robots. But Titanwatch, Titanfall 2 had, an, had a story mode. And it was a really good story mode. Um, it was a fast story mode. like it, it was maybe 20 hours total. I think it was less than that, but yeah, it was quick. Uh, I didn't, I took 20 hours to do it. So whatever. Um, I guess I'm slow, but nevertheless, it was, it was good. It was, it was pretty quick. Uh, but it had a lot of stuff. Like it taught you how to play. Like if you wanted to then go play Titanfall twos at multiplayer, you would know how from the single player. And it had a weird time travel, you know, section. I just remember thinking like respawn's done a lot of good stuff since, but that Titanfall two story mode, that to me is what Overwatch should be really looking for. That should be what Overwatch 2 looks to do. And then they should release more stuff later. Like constantly release. Whenever they do an event, there should be some story content. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I think their model should be. I don't know what their model is. I have no idea what they're going to do for story stuff. Um, but I really hope that they look. They, they take a nice look at what Respawn did with Titanfall 2 and then they steal it. Steal it hard, Blizzard. Steal it so hard. It make everybody be inside sudden giant diva robots. That's fine. Diva's battle suit now starts talking to her. And when she blows it up on people, there's a sad moment where it's like, I will always remember you, Diva. That robot made me cry. Dang it. Did you did you play that story? I did, yeah. Yeah. That robot, seriously, there's the part where you're falling to your death and the robot saves you. And you're like, You're a good guy, PG. Oh, Anyway, yes, very good story mode. You definitely steal it. Um, but I think that's basically it for the uh, various top stories. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything else. Yeah, yeah, transmog. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to move on to doing the uh, questions and email bit. So if you've got a question for the show, we have multiple ways you can ask. Um, the first is to go to our email. Send us an email at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. With the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. Because we got three of them now, guys. We got three of them, and they all need questions. And we'd love it if you'd ask multiple questions. But please tell us what the questions are for. Otherwise, um, uh, Joe has this robot he sends over, and I have to like dismantle it, and it's it's really challenging. The robot is shorter than you expect, so it's it like completely dodges. It's like Goldeneye. Remember playing Goldeneye? You couldn't hit a job. No matter what you did, you couldn't hit him because he was short and stuff would go over him. It's like that. That's my secret. Um, yeah. Also, if you don't want to send an email or deal with a like robot, um, you know, I, I really want to talk about Power Rangers all of a sudden, but we can't do that. Um, <laughs> but I'm really interested in that game, that article you're writing. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can go to Discord. And we've got uh, two channels. We've got the Patreon q and Podcast Questions channel for our patrons who get first. I look at their stuff first because you guys keep the lights on here. Uh, it's thanks to you that we have these podcasts. And so we like to reward you for your support by taking your questions first. But if you can't support us for whatever reason, we do understand. Uh, and that's the Q and podcast questions channel. That's just for non-patrons because we do look at there and take questions from there too. Um, so yeah, at this point, um, since it's just Joe here, I guess Joe and I are going to alternate. So I guess I'll read one. Go for it. Yeah. First one is from Ishanchi. Ishanchi? I don't know how your name is pronounced, Ishanchi. I'm sorry. But uh, Ishanchi says, hey, I'm hyped. You as well, I guess. 
One thing from Expansion Reveal caught my eye, my ear. Uh, they said that Evokers will be a mid-range caster. Do we have the concept of mid-range in-game right now? Uh, if not, maybe other classes as well move to mid-range. Evokers standing alone in between melee and other range will be weird. Uh, can't wait for more info, uh, Ashanti. I'm going to point out that for a while, Enhancement Shaman were essentially mid-range. Um, and they were basically it. Because they'd go into melee to punch things with you know and get Maelstrom charged up, but then they'd move out for their shocks and lightning bolts and all that stuff. And then they changed it so that Enhancement was pretty solidly just melee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where they are right now, in my opinion. I mean, I haven't played Enhancement that much, this expansion, but when, when it started, they felt very much like they were locked into melee. Um, as of right now, I can't think of anybody who I'd call mid-range. There are like, it's basically Yeah, there's basically just up close under its butt. Or well, its, you know what? Actually, junk. there is one. Go ahead. Paladins? Feral druids actually have an ability to melee at a ridiculous range. Like oh, it, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, th- I think they can melee at like 10, 12 yards, something like that, um, which puts them into what I would consider a mid-range area. Um, I don't know why cats can do that, but cats can definitely do that. Uh, but they're the only one that even remotely comes close. Otherwise, everything has the 41 yard is the cap, I believe. I think it's 40 yards or 41 yards um, as far as like how far you can be from a target's hitbox to actually affect them. And this also includes healing. Having something that exists in a mid-range, to me, is somewhere in the 15 to 25-yard range. Uh, yeah, that which, makes sense. Which means you have to be closer, which also means, in my uh, op- opinion, a much more difficult job as far as interfacing with mechanics go. And the reason I say that is I'm, I'm looking at the sepulchre of the first one's uh, raid environment and all of those fights are absolutely terrible <laughs> when it comes to like that sort of middle ground. Like I'm thinking of like the dreadlord fight. If you are middle range, you are just in the middle of so much garbage. Uh, same thing with the Pantheon, the prototype Pantheon, you are in so much garbage as far as like crap on the ground to stand out of or to avoid. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this mid-range thing works. Yeah, because um, we still don't know mid- what it means yet, right? Yeah, if mid-range comes with more mobility, like right now, a lot of long-range casters have the disadvantage of not having a lot of casting while moving. So they're balanced out in that they, they're, fr- they're, they're able to avoid a lot of the stuff that drops on the melee, but the disadvantage that they have to compensate is that when stuff does come for them, they have to move and that breaks their damage. Like a rogue could just auto attack and move five feet, but you know, like an enhancement shaman, I mean, I'm sorry, an elemental shaman or, or a, you know, mage has to use or a cooldown. A, yeah. I have to use a cooldown or just has to, to eat moving. You know, if we have to move every the 30 only, seconds, the that, only that range, seconds, you I was going to say the only range that, that doesn't have that restriction are hunters. And that's because they can auto attack at range. Yep. So they, they still do have, but then again, a lot of Hunter stuff is also Instacast. So that's the big nukes most classes have, has somewhat of a cast time. I mean, there's obviously everyone has certain Instacasts that they will be using or dots. Like if you were a shaman, you'd probably put like flame shock on something. Mm-hmm. If you knew I have to move right now, 
Pierce flame shots. Or, so or I would die. use or I'd use Spirit Walker's Grace as a cooldown to, yeah. to move and keep going, right? As a healer, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's been a while Does since I've I think it's been a while since I've elemental them. Don't remember if Elemental still has it or not. I'm pretty yeah. sure they do. It's been a long time. I I've never was never a particularly good elemental shaman, so yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. But point being, that's the the thing. If the mid-range caster has a lot of mobility, if they're essentially like a demon hunter, but at mid-range. Yeah, I was just gonna make that comparison, yeah. Yeah, then then it would be less troublesome for them because they'll move, but they'll still be doing stuff. Thank you, Padilla and um, chat. Uh, Elemental does still have spirit walkers. Cool. So, uh, and there's a, there's a, like, I I honestly I want to see what the evoker does because it feels like the evoker has a lot of similarities with uh, shaman in that they are calling elemental forces but they're calling them from a draconic perspective rather than like a shaman's perspective. So rather than like it being really fire, it's the power of the red dragonfly or the blue dragonflight. So it, there are certain elements of it that are similar, but it's, it's, it's based around the magic of the flights and not, you know, not to pure elementals, mm-hmm. pure elements. Mm-hmm. So, and we do, I don't think there's anything from the black dragonflight. I think there's red, blue, uh, green and bronze. And the healing version, the healing evoker, is based around the green, the emerald uh, dragonflight, and the bronze dragonflight. And the DPS evoker is based around uh, red and blue, uh, the the red dragonflight and the blue dragonflight. Or as those in the Magic Gathering community call it, is it colors? But yes. <laughs> so I, I it kind of feels a little bit like we, we're talking again about Power Rangers. It kind of feels like the Power Rangers, um, but. So I am interested in seeing how it works, but we don't really know much about how it works right now. The only thing I can remember from the uh, the presentation is that they will have one ability that's basically I go up in the air and I just fly over and I deep breathe on you, which I'm I'm totally here for. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, but that's the only thing I can remember, and that feels like it would be very much a move and damage at the same time ability. So that might be the the basis for how mid range is going to be working here. Like you're constantly on the move while doing damage. Um, but the, the, the trade-off is you can't get out as far. So you have to stay somewhat <laughs> close to it, but you don't want to go into melee because you are squishy and you will take a lot of damage. So there's, there might be a, ba- I can see this being a balancing act. Um, I don't know what the evoker healer is going to be like at all. Um, yeah. We know that it's going to be based off of like, from what it seems like, uh, a combination of like druid slash AOE healing. So who knows? Plus rewinding time seems like a really rad way to heal things. So I, I'm really curious about this class in particular. Uh, I It's been a long time since they've added a new class to the game. Uh, races we've gotten a ton of. So that's that's while it is exciting that we're getting playable dragons, uh, it's not as exciting as a whole new class, something that we speculated only a few weeks ago, really, that they weren't going to do. So I'm, gl- I'm one, I'm glad I was wrong on that. Not going to lie. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is fascinating because every time you add another class, particularly with a healing sort of lean into it, it's the balancing is always something that fascinates me. So I'm curious how they're going to balance out what their what their niche is going to be if there is going to be a niche because they seem to really be pushing players back towards niches again. So I'm just really I'm excited and really curious to see what they do. So that yeah I I mean 
we do have other things to talk about, but I am curious, what will healing on an evoker be like? I mean, I'm going to roll one. I'm absolutely rolling one. Yeah. I mean, I, and keep in mind too, the evokers, the, uh, the drag their evoker is similar to a Pandaren in that they can pick their faction. Yes. So they're both, both, uh, Drakthir will be both Horde and Alliance. So you don't have to worry about that. But all Drakthir are evokers and all evokers are Drakthir. That's it. Random, as, random aside, I've already reserved the name that I'm going to use for my Drakthir evoker. Mm. <laughs> is it Trogdor? It is not Trogdor. No. Um, it is for for those who... Ardalon? No, it is Kokusho. Because uh. <laughs> I'm playing a black dragon. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's enough for that one, unless you have anything else you want to add? No, I think we can move on to the next one. All right. The next one is in, uh, seems like a pretty simple one. This is from uh, Mithriac. Tyr died on Tyr's Fall Glades, correct? You are correct. Uh, Tyr, Titanforge, keep the mightiest of the Watchers, uh, died fighting one of the Cthraxi. Uh, at Two of the Fall. Cthraxi. Two of the Cthraxi, excuse me, in uh, Tyr is Fall Glades. Yeah. Back then it was Tyr's Fall. Tyr's Fall. Uh, and the ones he fought were uh, Zakajaz, who I love the name of. And every single time I want to do jazz hands. Every single time. Zakajaz, yeah. Zakajaz uh, is the one that died fighting Tyr. Tyr killed him first. But unfortunately, Kithix, the second one, got a really good shot in on Tyr while he was killing Zakajaz. And while Tyr did turn around and give him a good old smack with his hammer, he, that sent him stumbling down the rest of the continent until he died where Zulgarub was eventually going to be built. Um, Tyr himself succumbed to his wounds and was entombed in the uh, Tyr's Fall Glades. However, I will point out, his body isn't there anymore. Yeah, we don't know where his body is. So, it is theoretically possible that he got up. Because we don't know if the, the Watchers could die. And for that matter, we know that at certain point, the Watchers had the spirits of the Titans inside them. Like, for instance, uh, uh, as, you know, as, not Azrael, I keep wanting to say Azrael Nera, but uh, Amanthul's spirit was inside both Odin and uh, Master Ra. Like, it had, it had gone into them, and, and Ra pulled it out of himself and put it inside the waters of the um, Veil of Eternal Blossoms, and eventually it reconstituted, and we saw it in Antorus. We don't know how it got there. So it's possible that Tyr got up because he had the spirit of a, of a Titan inside of him and therefore couldn't really die. We don't know. It is. I've been thinking about this ever since we've seen the cinematic with that guy that everybody keeps saying is tear. And at first I was like, no, it can't be tear. Tear died in tears. Well, but I'm like, wait a minute, how do I know for sure? He stayed dead. Anyway, I just thought I would do that to, to both myself and Joe. Yeah. Now yeah. this is that silence you hear is like pieces falling. Uh, like you're pouring out the bin of Legos. Yeah. I I'm really curious too because like I've I've been wondering since Legion where the heck his body is is it there it would be interesting though because the Dragon Isles had been cut off so it couldn't really be him except it could because Tyr died before the Sundering do you think they took his body back because we saw it or that, it got up and went back because that person we see closing off the Dragon Isles mm-hmm. Right, like so. I, I that know. happens. The clo- uh, the dragon isles are, are closed off after the sundering. True, because they're not islands before that. They only become the dragon isles when they get blown up. What if you know? What if we're we're going back to Aldemon, right? Yeah, and keep in mind, Aldemon is where Arcadis and Aranaya ran. The people that he fell. was traveling with. Hmm. Hmm. What if they went and got his body? Yeah, maybe they did. 
We don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that answers your question besides the affirmative, but yeah, lots of things to talk about there. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for that one. Matt, do you want to do the next one? Sure. I'll give it a shot. Uh, this one is from Jack Jack. Um, I don't know every time Jack Jack, every time I see your name, I think of uh, the John Carter's books. See, I always think Which, of, by uh, the way, I always think of Jack Jack from the, the from the uh, uh, Incredibles. Jack Jack. I think of, of Jedek, uh, you know, like the Jedex from from uh, the John Carter stories. I'm going to also, just as a subtitle here, the John Carter stories are written with an extremely racist point of view in them. That doesn't mean they're not good to read. They're not fun stories, but do be aware of that. Like when I say racist, I don't mean like they're racist against human peoples, although they are. Um, that's that's in there. Uh, John Carter himself was a soldier for the Confederacy. Um, there's a whole thing about about Native Americans in there, so that's there. But the whole thing is built around the idea of like these separate humanoid races on Mars, and it's de- it's derived from uh, Theosophy, the Madame Blavatsky thing. It's it's Helena Blavatsky's stuff. It's really interesting, but it has nothing to do with this question. And now I'm going to actually read the question. Cue for the podcast. Uh, with is now going to the Dragon Isles. I think it's supposed to be with us. With us now going to the Dragon Isles, do you think Alex Straza will actually let DKs come? Or will they, should they, uh, be yeeted you know, to like GM Island whenever they try to zone in because they <laughs> desecrated a red dragon corpse? I think they should be yeeted or at least be hostile to the all red dragon NPCs if they completed the quest. The quest he's talking about is the one to get a mount for DKs and Legion. And I'm going to say up front, I don't think that anything like that will happen because gameplay trumps lore. Almost always. Yeah. And they're not going to make it so players can't go experience the expansion because they're playing the class that decided to desecrate a, a, a red dragon corpse. I do think that it would be funny if they continue doing what they did in battle for Azeroth and had red dragons be extremely salty about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> to the point where if you play, a, a DK and you're doing quests. Uh, I forget which zone it is. It's the creepy Drusvar. If you're doing quests in Drusvar as a DK, there is a quest you will come upon where a dragon is trying to get people to help them. And everybody else is just hero help, help us. But if you're a DK, she's like, get away from here defiler, And you have to talk her down. You have to be like, look, I, I get that you're upset, but right now we kind of have a common purpose. And the best part is, when the person she, she's afraid of shows up, it's a DK. And he tells you, oh, but I'm only doing what you did. I was inspired by you. I want a cool dragon mount too. And and she's literally standing right next to you looking at you. And you're like, this is awkward. Um, I get that, but don't do it. So it's two expansions ago. I feel like it's a quest we can talk about. But that kind of thing, that kind of preservation of it is something I want to see. But I don't want yeah. to see players not able to play. Yeah, I, I don't want players to not be able to play, especially because I know some very lovely DKs. Uh, but I would like to see some continuation of of the knowledge of what DKs did, even at the end of Shadowlands. Like even knowing what what DKs were doing, even knowing what we were doing, you know, I'd like that to be not okay, right? And that's fine. Like having we talk about this a lot, things being complicated and messy isn't necessarily a bad thing. It isn't necessarily bad for storytelling. As fact, having some tension with Alex Straza in the Red Dragon flight, if you happen to be a DK, or having it be a story point that comes up 
at large for all of us, I think would be fascinating. Like imagine if you are in this land of, of the dragons, you're in the dragon isles, you're in the city and you're dealing with the dragon flights and you're in a party and the DK happens to be getting the cold shoulder, but you don't have any idea why. And then it comes up that Alex Raza points out. Yeah. By the way, uh, that one wanted to raise the corpse of my dead children. Like, that gets messy and complicated really, really quickly. Cause like, yeah. And, and, it, it can and then make- the paladin in your party is like, they tried to do that to, to Tyrion. <laughs> yeah. And they tried to do that to Tyrion. Uh, but like you could have those moments where it spills over, but yes, I don't want them getting yeeted. I don't, yeah. I don't want anything that prevents somebody from playing or participating. Uh, it was the same way. Like, even if you chose to be a Sylvanas loyalist or a dissenter, you still played, you still had interactions and it did have payoff even in the last few weeks. Like those were good. Those were good things. Um, having effect that carries through with you always going to be a good thing. That's what I would like to see. And Alex Straza has every right to be, be angry. She lost her sister. Her kids are being defiled. She, she can't even have kids anymore. Like, and now we maybe start making up for that a little bit. Cause now we're at a point where like DK can make some atonement for it. Right, like we're helping, we're helping reclaim the Dragon Isles. We're helping get some of their homeland back. We might be helping power them back up so they can maybe have babies again. Like I would love to see at some point, Bolvar comes back and <laughs> Bolvar goes to Talik Straza and is like, "I'm really sorry uh, when I was the death, the, the uh, Lich King, that I had them desecrate your kids' bodies. I was a bit upset about the thing where you cursed me with flaming death that will never die. My bad." Shouldn't have taken it personally. Can we just let this go? And Alex Straza being like, no, I don't know. I, I just think that yeah. would be great. Yeah, no, I think it would be great. Again, messy and complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but All I think right, we can move on to the one. next one. <laughs> yeah, next uh, one to you, I think. Yep, this one comes from Tando. Will games like Hearthstone, Diablo Immortal, and other mobile games be added to the Nintendo Store for the Switch? I honestly prefer a lot of games on Switch versus mobile. Uh, I think there's a really good possibility about it. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think there's a really good possibility of starting to see those types of games being ported over to the Switch, especially if players are asking for it. Like well, we if know you, that Diablo 2 Resurrected is on the Switch, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I, you talk for a minute. I'm going to look. Okay. I'm talking. Yes. Or, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I think that you're right in that it is cool to have them on the Switch versus a mobile device. And the Switch is more engineered as a gaming console first and its mobility is certainly there and it certainly is, part of it, it is on the switch by the way yeah i knew overwatch was uh but i didn't know if uh diablo had made it over diablo 3 is so diablo 2 i wasn't sure if it had made it or not but yeah it has that i think that's cool i would like to see more of that um they've got like a year before they finally owned by microsoft and things get complicated well, um, even even it's not even going to be that complicated. And we talked about this. And this is actually a spinoff question uh, that I don't think anybody's asked. I don't think you're going to start seeing uh, these games disappearing from other consoles when they're only as a subsidiary of Microsoft. Uh, because probably that's, not. No, that's money on the table. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that Microsoft has shown a very much more of a willingness to have their games on other proprietary systems than those other systems are for them. If that makes sense, like I've seen games that I know are on the PlayStation on my Xbox. The Xbox does not care as much. Um, they, the Microsoft gaming would rather sell you the game, 
whether or not you're going to be playing it on the, the PS5 or the Switch or what have you. I think it's probably going to still be on the Switch, especially for games like Diablo, which really works well on a console and works really well on a mobile console. Because then you can play it like on you know your bus ride or what have you. Don't play it while you're driving, please. Please don't. Road rage is a real thing. Do not play D- Diablo <laughs> while driving a car. But while uh, riding in a car, sure, go for it. But also, I'm, I'm one thing I will say is to bring it back to the question. I'm actually am really surprised that Hearthstone hasn't made it to the Switch yet. And I'm yeah, not, that is kind of weird. And I'm not sure why, because there's tons of other like card centric games on there. Uh, I think even like Slay the Spire is on there. There's it would be, I think, to their benefit to maybe put it on there, even if it is free to play. The only thing that I could think of that might be putting it at a like maybe a disadvantage is monetization through Nintendo store, because everything you purchase goes to the Nintendo shop. So if you have a a free to play game that has in-game purchases, your purchases are managed not inside the game, but they're purchased through the Nintendo eShop. So if you are buying packs of cards or expansions, that might be the complication. That might be why we haven't seen it on there yet. That might also be why Immortal doesn't go there. Maybe. Because Immortal's monetization is also going to be along those lines. I mean, there's there's a possibility of that. We'll see. And I think it's, and I think it is that free-to-play sector that is the, the... I don't want to say the gray area, but it's the coin toss, right? Like it's, it could keep it from going there. It could make it go there. There could be a version of it that you purchase uh, that comes with X amount of stuff up front uh, that you then get to play like legal, like League of legends used to do that. Right. So League of legends has always been a free to play game, but back in ye olden days, when you still want to like brick and mortar stores to buy video games, despite the fact that league of legends was a online only game that you downloaded and free to play, you could actually spend money on a card and it came in like a little box and everything else. Like you, you would expect like a game to come in and that would give you access to like all of the champions, a bunch of skins and a bunch of other stuff, but it did this monetization outside of anything else so that you didn't even have to spend your money through the riot interface. Like you just did it at a brick and mortar store. Yeah. It was basically how GameStop could sell you league of legends stuff. Yeah. Because the game was still free to play. There is also the possibility that they do something similar, maybe with Diablo Immortal, if there's enough since of a DI reason. Since DI is there. going to PC, and I'm sorry I'm yawning, but uh, <laughs> since DI is going to PC, there is a possibility, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's also something in the voice here. If it's something you want, make sure you let them know. That's, hey, I would be interested in this being here. Like, you know, that's constructive criticism. That's constructive feedback, right? Like, there you go. Yeah. I think you're up next, Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah. In this novel. I can do it if you want. I'll give it a shot. Uh, this one's from Mertini. I assume it's pronounced like Martini, but with Mert. Um, question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. I just listened to this week's podcast, and your half-hour discussion about talent got me thinking. It's, this one's not going to be that long, guy. Um, very few of my talents in Shadowlands are choices. A couple are reactive. I need to change between column A or column B, depending on whether I'm in a raid or in a dungeon or the covenant I'm in. Uh, A couple are a a genuine choice where I can do the same thing, but in slightly different ways. Then the rest are just rows where one column is the best and it never gets changed. The current talents could almost be completely removed and just baked into the class. Instead of removing it, 
Blizzard are giving us a remake with uh, much more choice. Is this something you think we can uh, we can be unresolved, unreservedly excited about, or are there any potential downsides we're not thinking about? For example, one thing I've heard people worry about is being forced to spend talent points on getting an interrupt instead of it being baseline. Uh, Myrtil, Martini, um, Brewmaster Monk. So I think Martini is in fact like Martini. Yeah. Uh, from Silver Moon EU. Um, I will say that you can be unreservedly excited about anything you want. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you, you're wrong to be unreservedly excited about anything. If something excites you, be excited. That being said, I think Joe and I have already kind of listed some downsides. I feel like we've both kind of been on the somewhat negative side of this. And I don't want to like repeat that because like we've done it. We've had that discussion. You listened to it. Um, we've, we've had two of these talent discussions. Also, it's not fair if Liz isn't here to yell at me. Yeah. Liz needs to be here. Cause this is really a, it's a situation where Joe and Liz form like the rock and sock and robots. And I just kind of sit back and go, Oh, okay. Um, but I will say this, um, stuff like you're talking about there, like having to spend points on getting a, an interrupt. That's not a choice. You have to get the interrupt. You are going to be required to have it. Um, if nothing else, Raiders will have to get it. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can tell me that if a class has an interrupt, but it's a talent, yeah, you're going to be taking that talent. And so it's no longer a choice. It's only a choice if you can do without it. If you don't need to pick it, like here's an example from the old days. You did not have to go Titan's grip in wrath. If you didn't want to, you could be like fury using two one hand weapons. Were there problems with that? Yeah. Cause it was mechanically not, not viable, but, the choice was there and it was a different play style. If you can't do that, it's not a choice, but if you can do it and it's viable or even semi viable, then it is a choice. Even if the choice is, do I, do I do less damage, but I look cool. That's still a choice. Although it is not ideal. You want, ideally you want the choice to be one where you will not suffer for having made it. You just, it gives you a different approach. That's, that's a choice. Um, I have to do like I have to take Earthshock because I have to be able to interrupt spell casts. Earthshock's and Earthshock's a talent. What? Yeah, but it, if, they, if they made Windshear. it one again, yeah, yeah. But Windshear is now. Yeah. But we're talking about if this new system, if they say, okay, Windshear's not interrupted anymore. Windshear's gone. You take a talent that gives you Earthshock again, and Earthshock is now an interrupt again, like it used to be. Boom. This- That's not a choice now. But this is also part of my this is part of the thing that that is a reservation of mine and one that I've been thinking about a lot more frequently as over the especially since last week is I'm really curious what gets carved out of the class and put into the talent trees. And the reason I say that is because they made it a point to point out that there are two talent trees. There's your class specific one and your role specific one. The class specific one is the one that worries or the yeah, the, the class specific one is the one that worries me. If I'm playing a shaman and all of my core key abilities get pruned from the base kit and moved into the tree, that's a problem. That's no longer choices. Um, and that's that's the part that I am concerned about. You are perfectly OK to be absolutely unreservedly excited for it. Part of the reason that I'm not is simply because. I lived through vanilla talents. I lived through that. I played that when that was the only thing that was available to us before all of the quality of life. And I don't want to go back to that personally. And that's always going to be part of my fear. It's like you pointed out here that somebody are forced to spend talent points to get an interrupt instead of it being baseline. That is a fear of mine. 
That is something that I'm going to be giving feedback on when it's available, when I have a chance to to look at the new talent system, when we can play with it, if that's something that happens, because that's not something I want. And yeah, I don't like, go ahead. Bye. I was going to say, like, imagine not having if, like and I'll use Shaman again as the example, because it's the one I'm most familiar with. If you had to choose to pick up lightning bolt, like I'm not saying that they would ever do that. And that's sort of an extreme edge case. But like, just imagine if something that's so core identified to you isn't there anymore. Or if you have to spend uh, points to get totems. And I don't just mean totems in general. Like, you don't have healing stream totem. You don't have a water totem unless you spend a talent point in. If they do something like that, that's bad. If they make it have more meaningful choices, fine. Yeah. Like, imagine if there's a, like, there's a difference. Like, he just talked about not having uh, healing stream. Now imagine if you could take a talent and this talent, there's two, there's two or three different talents that you can pick. You can't get all of them because they're too far down the tree, but one of them turns your healing stream into a combination healing stream, mana stream. Another turns your healing stream into a cooldown where you drop it and it does a big damage reduction shield or something. The third one makes your healing stream You know, not only does your healing stream heal people, it also puts a heal over time on them. And every time it ticks, it refreshes the heal over time. These are that. different approaches to how healing stream works. But it, it changes the item. It doesn't replace yeah. it. Or, right? It doesn't mean yeah. you don't have to take any of them. You could theoretically say, no, I don't want any of that. And you'd still have healing stream. But now you've got these options that change the way healing stream works. And that would affect the way you heal with it. And that I would be on board with like stuff yeah, like exactly. that. If, if you were, if the, if the talent trees wind up being things that do augmentation to your core abilities, then I'm fine. If like it, imagine, you-, you know, imagine like for fusing warriors as an example here, imagine if you have like t- Titan's grip is a talent that you have. So you have to go down and take Titan's grip to get dual wielding two handed weapons. That's fine because if you don't go down and take it, you can have, you know, you'll be single-minded fury and you'll just do that. But what if there's a talent that turns you into a two-handed weapon and shield tank? But that's, you know, you can still tank without it, but now you want to have Titan's grip while tanking? There's a talent for that. It's like the the one that Crusaders get in Diablo. That is a cool choice that doesn't automatically it's not a must-have, but it is cool. That kind of thing. Stuff that makes the things you have better or different in a way that will change your play style that gives you a choice. But say you just say, okay, shield wall is now a talent. Well, I'm a tank. I, I have to have shield wall. I, I can't not have my big cooldown. Yeah, I can't. It's so like, that, I can't, I can't not have healing tide totem. Yeah. I can't not have spirit link totem. Like these are things that are just core to, to my identity yeah. as a healer. If you, if you get rid of them entirely, that's one thing. I mean, we'll, we'll adapt. We'll learn how to do. But having them still be in the game, but behind a 30-point talent investment, and there's two of them, and you obviously can't have both. Which, spoilers, that's how it used to be, by the way. Oh, yeah, totally. But it's like it's not a choice anymore. It's like I must go as far down the healing as I can to get these things. So, uh, so long viability in other ways, because I don't have a choice here. So that's that's something that I think we we can talk about being a possible downside that I think not everyone's thinking about. I do think there's a bit of nostalgia and a bit of wow, we're going we're going Rose back to the lenses. Yeah, I, I do think that that's there to a degree. 
Um, a lot of people who play WoW Classic think that because stuff worked works the way they like in WoW Classic, that it would work in the modern game. And the modern game should be more like WoW Classic. And I don't think that's true. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the talent system is coming. We'll see what they do. Yep. Uh, but at this point, I think we got to wrap it up. Yeah, that's gonna. I think that's gonna be it for us today. So, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Oh, Joe, can you do the other thing that you do? Absolutely. And as one final reminder, folks. Those of us at Blizzard Watch still continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard as well as the game industry at large as they work to demand change for a better tomorrow and a safer work environment. Absolutely. Um, thank you again for, for doing that. You did it on Lore Watch the other day. I was like, I've got to make him add to that on the other main show. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast uh, for Liz, who was not here this week, and we're all really sorry about that um, because we could have had much more. We could still be talking about talents if Liz was here. Um, and I'm but trying really hard to be constructive about this. I really no, am. I know. I know. And I appreciate it. Um, but, you know, Liz, next week, we've got some stuff to talk about. Uh, but thank you uh, for, on behalf of myself and, of course, Joe. Thank you for being the rock, as always, Joe. I am the not rock. Not literally. Yeah, not literally. You're not, but you are like, the, you're like our Stony Danza. You are the Stony Danza of this and I as, And for those of you at home, we, I was robbed. Stony Danza is absolutely what I'm going to call that guy forever. I'm actually calling him Stony Halinka, but <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for uh, listening to the show with us. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. If you've got a question for the podcast, you can email us at podcast.blizzardwatch.com or use our Discord channels, uh, Patron and Q Questions channel, or just Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, we appreciate everything you do to support us, everything you do to make this show possible. And uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.